the dark heart of the city, a mysterious figure known as Dr. Bones. You go, 1940s band singer. This is the hour of doom. And bloom. That's right, friends and neighbors. Welcome to Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Podcast, a template of timeliness in a trembling world. <laughs> and the number one show about medical preparedness, since it's the only show about medical preparedness. I think. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And who am I? Why, I am Joe Alton, MD, that old Dr. Bones of the award-winning survival website, doomandbloom.net. And I'm Amy Alton, also known as Nurse Amy, and I'm an advanced registered nurse practitioner and a certified nurse midwife. She's so bright, I've thrown away my tanning bed. And I'm still, <laughs> look at me, I'm still orange. Your skin looks good. <laughs> orange man, orange man bad. Is that what they say? That's funny. You're but, not orange, by the way, anybody who's listening. On this show, you're going to get the conventional medical wisdom, the unconventional medical wisdom, plus it, no extra charge, the deranged rants of a man falling off his rocking chair. Now, hey, Whatever it takes to get your family medically prepared for times of trouble, you're going to hear it right here. But first, got to listen to this. Absolutely. All information and opinions voiced on the Survival Medicine Podcast are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings. We strongly urge our audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. Or don't if the apocalyptic end of the world as we know it doesn't phase you. But answer me this, who's going to keep your family safe and healthy when the blankety-blankety-blank really hits the fan, the hospitals are out of commission, the doctors are gone, and someone you care about is sick or injured? Well, don't look at me. I'm just some guy yelling at strangers. It's you, Magoo. You and I both know that when it's least expected, you're elected. So get off your duff and learn some stuff. And why not get some medical supplies while you're at it? I'll bet Amy can tell you where you can find some. I sure can. Store.doomandbloom.net. Hey, I just want to mention that the Book Excellence Award-winning fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook ranks a whopping 4.8 out of 5 on Amazon over more than 2,800 reviews. Still high on bestseller lists throughout the country. If you haven't checked it out yet, find the black and white version on Amazon, but the color version will be at store.doomandbloom.net. We even have a color spiral-bound version on our website. Oh, and I want to make sure I thank everyone who bought or is considering buying our very first children's book, Snow Bee, The First Snowman, published through Skype Pony Press. That's our first effort with regards to children's books. We really love kids, and we like to give them stories that parents or grandparents can read to them. It helps listening skills. It's a great thing to do. Royalties, by the way, from all sales of this book in 2023 are going to go to Tunnels to Towers Foundation to help disabled vets and first responders. So if you've got a kid or grandkid to read to, seriously, help us help people who really need it. You'll find it on Amazon or at our website store. That barking you're hearing, by the way, comes from our mascot, Preparedness Patty, and also her cousin, First Aid Phil, another important cog in the mystical warehouse of medical mysteries that Nurse Amy has at doomandbloom.net. <laughs> if you know me, it's probably because of my writings and videos meant to help the family medic in times of trouble, times when the medical infrastructure is broken down, hospitals are out of commission, and doctors are not accessible for the foreseeable future. Survival settings, in other words. I first wrote about what would happen to those with minor infections like cellulitis if there was no availability of antibiotics. 
I mentioned the History Channel program called After Armageddon, where a paramedic and his family try to navigate a post-apocalyptic landscape. In the show, the paramedic gets a minor injury which he recognizes has become infected. No one has antibiotics, so this trained professional watches his infection worsen helplessly, only to die a few weeks later. I look for ways a family medic could have the supplies necessary to prevent such preventable deaths. Antibiotics were the way to go, and having been involved in the aquarium hobby and also raised tilapia in ponds, I knew of some available for fish. So I decided to check these out and found about a dozen of them were identical down to numbers and letters to those used in humans. They were even only available in human dosages, even though they were meant to treat your pet guppy. So I suggested getting a supply, not for use in normal times, but to be held in reserve for disasters to take society to the brink. They were available without a prescription, and you can get them in unlimited quantities. That has now changed, and you need to know about it. On December 14th, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration announced the issuance of nine warning letters to manufacturers and distributors of, quote, unapproved, unquote, antimicrobial animal drugs for violations of federal law. The following companies receive letters, American Aquarium Products, Aquanest Biotic, Aquarium Pharmacy, LLC, California Veterinary Supply, Chewy, Craft Drug, Midland Veterinary Services, LLC, Silver Lease, LLC, and Valley Veterinary Clinic Limited. The agency claims to not have known about these fish antibiotic type medications and consider them to be new animal drugs, despite their being around for at least two decades. And they're concerned because these products contain antimicrobials important in human medicine. They say, the FDA, that using them not under the direct supervision of a doctor or veterinarian contributes to the development of antimicrobial resistance. Antimicrobial resistance happens when microorganisms like bacteria become resistant to the antimicrobial drugs designed to kill them. This is actually true. Injudicious use of antibiotics can lead to just that. Of course, I've always recommended these widely available meds as part of your medical storage for use in survival scenarios, something that, despite all our nation's problems, has not yet happened. If such an event happened and the trained family medic had some of these stored, they might have prevented some of the unnecessary deaths that might have occurred in such scenarios by eliminating bacterial infections. That is no longer an option. The products affected by the FDA warning are not, so far, being applied for approval as a new animal drug, as they are now called, nor has the FDA conditionally approved them for the index of legally marketed but unapproved new animal drugs for minor species. These are the main legal pathways for animal drugs to reach the marketplace. Thus, the FDA considers them as being illegally marketed over-the-counter until an application is made and the approval process is complete. And who knows if that will occur at all. In the recent past, the FDA has removed accessibility without a prescription to many drugs for food-producing livestock. But now, the animal products referenced in the warning letters are marketed and labeled for minor species such as aquarium fish and pet birds. They contain many antibiotics that are important in human medicine, all of which I've written about in the past that would be an additional weapon for the group medic in austere settings where modern medicine does not exist. The FDA goes on to give their reasons and quote prominent veterinarians about the risks of a layman using these medicines. None of what they say is wrong, at least in normal times. In a post-apocalyptic settings, however, this is of little consolation to a parent with a sick child or a woman with an infection after childbirth. The FDA claims correctly that many animal drugs are not identical to similar products approved for use in people. I have only written about those that are, 
were produced by human pharmaceutical companies and were offered in human dosages with identical markings as the human drug. The FDA recommends that anyone currently using or administering the products included in these warning letters should safely dispose of them. That's up to you. In normal times, when antibiotics are easily available by prescription from your doctor or vet, that might be a reasonable thing to do. But in a true long-term major disaster, which is what I mostly write about, it would be useful to have some in your storage, if only to use under the supervision of a licensed or trained physician or veterinarian. The FDA states that they will continue to monitor the marketplace and take necessary steps to protect human and animal health against companies selling unapproved animal drugs that can put people and animals at risk. Today, when the ambulance is heading in your direction and the hospital is just a few minutes away, that's what they're supposed to do. Of course, I'm not sure there are veterinarians out there that will examine and treat my pet guppy, but for survival settings, the lack of antibiotics will be just one less weapon against the incredible challenge that faces the family medic if the medical infrastructure is knocked out long term. This is Joe Alton, MD, wishing you the best of health in good times or bad. Thanks for listening. Hey, don't forget to get your family medically prepared with quality kits and individual supplies from our entire line at store.doomandbloom.net. By the way, don't forget to use those HSA health savings accounts before the end of the year. And don't forget to check out the greatly expanded fourth edition of the Survival Medicine Handbook. You'll be glad you did. And now a word from our sponsor. Hello, friends. Are you feeling down? Don't have that gusto like you used to? Has your get up and go got up and went? Well, consider the wholesome goodness of Prevalaxian Natural Balance, a healthy mix of fruits, vegetables, sleep aids, Adderall, and Alzheimer drugs in one tiny capsule barely the size of a golf ball. Made from probiotic macronutrients by elves in a hollow tree and processed down to a fine ash over a Native American campfire, Prevalaxian Natural Balance will give you the pep you need to run that marathon and get a good night's sleep 10 minutes later, or maybe even during. Mix with water and you can use it to seal that hole in your canoe. Mix with balsamic vinegar and put it in your salad. Prevalaxian Natural Balance, your natural road to good health, a better night's sleep, and a higher IQ. Available wherever cure-alls are sold. Winter in the United States can be pretty darn cold and you can bet we'll be experiencing some serious winter storms over much of the country at one point or another before spring. Hikers in the backcountry might experience hypothermia, but it can also happen to you right in the family car. It's important to have a plan of action to prevent problems that might leave you stranded or worse, injured in cold weather. Now, how important? There are about 500,000 winter moving vehicle accidents every year with about 2,000 deaths. Winter conditions don't just affect people. They affect cars as well. Cold degrades rubber and metal. It even decreases the efficiency of car batteries. Tires become stiff and flat, and especially when you start driving, and oil and other lubricants become thicker the colder it gets. All this makes the engine work harder, so vehicles in extreme cold should be winterized before conditions deteriorate. If you live in an area that experiences extreme cold, you need to complete a vehicle checklist before the first winter storm. Each car has its own set of requirements for cold weather, but here are some basics. Let's talk about the battery. Get your battery tested before the temperatures drop and replace old batteries that may fail to keep a charge. Big, big, big item. Check the battery cables for cracks and breaks. The terminal should fit snugly with no loose connections. You can check your battery fluid actually by uncovering the refill hole or sometimes holes. There's more than one sometimes. If the level is below the bottom of the cap, you need to refill it, but with distilled water, distilled water. While you're inspecting your battery, 
Look around for the manufacture date. Knowing how old your battery is can give you an idea when it's likely to start losing charge. With electric vehicles, the driving range drops with the temperature, sometimes a lot. It's important to realize that an electric vehicle's range has limitations. A new one with a range of, let's say, 250 miles at 75 degrees Fahrenheit may have only 150 miles of range when it's 20 degrees. Used models have even less range as batteries lose capacity with time and use. Let's talk about fluids. Regularly check and fill antifreeze, oil, brake fluid, coolant, windshield fluid, and transmission fluid to appropriate levels. Antifreeze should have the right ratio of coolant to water. In winter, that should be about 50-50. Switching to a less viscous engine oil could make cold starts easier and maximize protection against wear. Wiper fluid is often overlooked, but you'll need it to be freeze resistant to keep your windshield clean and your vision clear in bad weather. How about the brakes? Your brakes have to respond quickly in cold weather, so make sure brake pads are sound and brake fluid levels are full. Heating and cooling systems, a working heating and defrost system that is essential for not only comfort, but visibility during winter driving. Fuel, you got to keep your gas tank at least half full or keep your electric vehicle fully charged. For gas vehicles, maintaining tank levels actually helps prevent the fuel lines from freezing. And keeping your vehicle indoors, by the way, when not in use, if you have a garage, that's a good thing because it will help also stabilize the vehicle temperature to reasonable levels. Tires, well, low air pressure and worn tires, very dangerous on wet or slick roads. Both can reduce traction. You want to check your owner's manual and make sure they are inflated at the recommended pressures. Now, how can you tell if a tire is too worn? Well, take the old-fashioned Lincoln penny and insert it between the treads. If you can see the top of Abe's head, well, your tires are worn out. Some brands now have a color band that becomes visible when there's enough wear. Of course, if you live in an area with a lot of snowfall, consider snow tires to improve traction. Now, let's talk about staying safe in cold weather. Many deaths from exposure are avoidable if simple precautions are taken. You want to keep an eye on weather forecasts before you head out. Conditions can change rapidly if a cold snaps on the way. The first question you always ask yourself before you get in the car is, is this trip necessary? If the answer is no, stay warm and cozy at home. Now, if you have to hit the road during a winter storm, drive as if your life depends on it because you know what? It does. Brush ice and snow off of windshields, side mirrors, anywhere that your view might be blocked. Don't speed, tailgate, or weave in and out of traffic. You want to make your turn slowly and deliberately and avoid quick stops and starts. Of course, you should always notify someone of your travel plans if you're going to be heading out. Always take your cell phone with you. Many smartphone apps, by the way, now allow your location to be tracked by your family members, of course, with your permission. Snow and ice can challenge even the most experienced drivers. You got to make sure to pay attention to the temperature when it's near or below freezing. Be sure to drive with extreme caution. Try to recognize black ice. Black ice, that's if an area of pavement looks wet, even though the rest of the area looks dry, it might be an icy patch. Reduce your speed accordingly. Properly use your headlights and fog lights. In winter storms, visibility is of utmost importance. You want to use your lights appropriately, and that'll help you see more clearly. Of course, you want to maintain control. You have vehicle traction modes maybe on your car, a 4WD or AWD. You want to learn how to regain control when you skid. That's also important. We'll talk about that in a second. By the way, for people who don't know the difference between uh, AWD, auto wheel drive, and four wheel drive, AWD is usually used for giving a vehicle all weather traction all the time, while four wheel drive is meant to be a little more able off road. Now, you want to be sure that's putting it a little too simply. 
be sure to keep focused on the road. That's something very important because you're going to be tempted to look at texts and communicate with your friends. That smartphone is the cause of more motor vehicle accidents than you can imagine. So be sure to stay focused. Now, how about if you're skidding? Skidding on the road is scary as hell. I've had that happen to me a number of times in cold weather. Accelerating or braking too much may cause it, or maybe sometimes excessive turning forces. The skid is caused by oversteering. You want to gradually release the throttle and steer into the direction of the slide. Into the direction of the slide. Don't slam on the brakes. You need to let the wheels regain static contact with the road. Now, another cause of skidding could be hard braking itself. If you slam on the brakes and your wheels lock up, your vehicle may end up skidding across the road. If your wheels lock up during braking, press the brakes slowly and steadily while steering the vehicle. Again, don't slam on the brakes. Everything has to be measured. How about if you wind up stranded? If you live in an area that routinely has very cold winters and maybe is sort of remote from uh, big towns, things like that, you may become stranded in your car one day. Your level of preparedness is going to improve your chances of staying healthy and getting back home. So what should your plan of action be? Number one, you got to stay calm. Do not leave the car. It's warmer there than outside and you've got protection from the wind. Having adequate shelter is one of the keys to success, whether it's in the wilderness or on a snow-covered highway. You want to crack a window on the side away from the wind for some fresh air. People talk about water and food being necessary for survival, but first you need what? Air, right? Wet snow can block up your exhaust system, which causes deadly carbon monoxide to enter the passenger compartment. Clearing the exhaust pipe of snow and running the engine only maybe 10 minutes or so an hour while you're stranded, that's going to help prevent monoxide poisoning. Of course, if you get stranded, immediately start charging your phone while you can so you have a way to communicate. If you're in a group, you want to huddle together as best you can to create a warm pocket in the car. You want to rub your hands or put them in your armpits. Otherwise, keep moving to make your muscles produce heat. And don't overexert yourself. That's something that's very important. If your car's stuck in the, the snow, you're going to want to dig yourself out. But sweating can cause clothing to become wet. And wet clothing loses its value as insulation and leads to hypothermia. Another thing, you got to let people know that you're there somehow. So... If you have that cell phone, use it. If you have flares, and you should have flares too, use them. Flashing emergency lights on your vehicle, that's going to drain battery power. So only use them if you think that somebody might see them. If you're going to travel in very cold conditions, there are a certain number of items that you should keep in your vehicle. And this is what an effective winter survival car kit contains. It contains blankets. Wool is best for warmth. It can stay warm even if it's wet. A spare set of dry clothes, like including socks, hats, and mittens. Uh, hand warmers or other instant heat packs, they'll last for hours. The cell phone and charger I was talking about, and maybe the telephone number of a towing service. Flashlights, you want to keep the batteries in backwards until you need them to extend their life. An ice scraper, a snow brush, a multi-tool, a larger combination tool like a foldable multi-use shovel that acts as a shovel but also can be an axe, a saw, etc. It's useful to have sand or rock salt in a plastic container to give some traction if you wind up getting stuck. Some people have used kitty litter successfully, actually. Uh, a tow chain or a rope would be good. Starter cables, fix a flat, or a portable air compressor in case of a flat tire. Those are all basic things. Of course, other, other basic things is some water, some food, uh, even if it's just granola bars. A first aid kit, every car should have one. Definitely have a good first aid kit. I know we can get some. Baby wipes for hygiene purposes. Uh, noise makers like whistles or maybe an air horn. Of course, you want to have some extra medications, routine meds that you take daily, or and maybe having some 
uh, ibuprofen or acetaminophen that might be useful. Acetamin is just Tylenol. Tarp and duct tape also very useful. The brightly colored ones will be more visible and help aid in your rescue. You want to have maybe a metal cup, a thermos, uh, and you want to have a heat source. You want to be able to melt snow and make make water. Of course, you may need a way to have a heat source, so matches, lighters, or fire starters. You need to manufacture heat. Some people use candles in a metal can or a bucket. These actually can produce a surprisingly decent amount of heat in a small space, like the interior of a car. Now, it may seem like a lot, but the items I'm talking about here are going to give you a head start in keeping safe and sound, even if you're stranded in a blizzard. With a plan of action, a few supplies, and a little luck, you might survive even the worst storm. Hey, today's youth, are you hip? Want to get down with groovy new tunes? Have you gone through your goth, hippie, rapper, and teenage vampire phases and ready to listen to something really original? Well, old Dr. Bones has put out his own brand new album of rad dope illin' sounds that can't be beat called Bones Tones. Be the star of the rave when you bring this collection of awesome music and, of course, all those drugs to the next neighborhood block party. You'll hear Dr. Bones sing great songs like Like a Virgin, Funky Cold Medina, Who Let the Dogs Out, the Ukrainian National Anthem, and the theme from Star Trek, and many more. Dig these happening sounds sung by Dr. Bones, the world's oldest hip-hop street poet. You'll be glad you did. Bones Tones, available at fine music stores nowhere. Well, last time I talked a little bit about uh, respiratory infections, and I mentioned something called respiratory hygiene. And that's something that's necessary to prevent people with respiratory infections from transmitting germs to others. That's a problem, certainly, in normal times, and it certainly would be in survival times if you have your entire group down with some incredible respiratory illness. So the things that you need to do if you're the caregiver is you always want to perform very rigorous hand hygiene, hand washing before and after contact with anybody that's sick. You want to wash soiled hands with soap and warm water for about 20 seconds, at least 20 seconds, or clean your hands with an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. You want to wash down all possibly contaminated surfaces such as kitchen counters or doorknobs with an appropriate disinfection uh, disinfectant something like dilute bleach solution would do fine you want to isolate sick individuals in a specific quarantine area especially those that may have a high fever or that you suspect may be contagious in any way you want to wear gloves and a mask at all times when you're treating someone with a contagious respiratory illness i know that masks have gotten a bad rap recently with the covid situation, but believe it or not, they still do help, especially if you put the mask on the patient so that they don't actually cough out a lot of splatter at you. I think that's something that's important for people to know. You don't want to self-medicate, especially with antibiotics, unless there is no modern medical care out there for the foreseeable future. Now, if you're the patient, you want to cover your mouth and nose with tissues, dispose of those tissues safely. You don't want to be coughing on a lot of people, so you might consider masks. So your caregivers may wear masks, but it's much more important for you to wear one. You want to keep at least six feet away from healthy people. This is the distance that air droplets will spread during a cough or sneeze. Now, many people think that they can avoid respiratory infections by staying inside out of the cold. But actually, being indoors in a closed environment with others who may be carrying germs, that's more likely the major factor in getting it. The viral load in the air is much higher there than anywhere else that's not enclosed. Many people believe that vitamins C and zinc will prevent colds and flus. They might actually decrease the duration of the illness. That's actually scientifically proven, but it's not proven that they can prevent you from being exposed to a sick person who might cough on you. 
Now, there are some natural respiratory remedies that you might consider. Many of the strategies and treatments we talk about deal with respiratory infections uh, using over-the-counter drugs and things like that. But what if this stuff is not available due to a major catastrophe? In that circumstance, you got to look at natural substances that might help alleviate various respiratory symptoms and strengthen the body's immune response. Historically, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, and other antioxidants taken regularly are supposed to decrease the frequency and severity of respiratory infections. And many studies confirm their usefulness, although the amount of downtime due to colds or flus per year was only decreased one day in one study. Now, despite this, the antioxidant support of the immune system should be encouraged, and this is a way to do it. Vitamin D is also thought, by the way, to be useful to prevent serious respiratory infections, even like COVID. It's been shown to possibly decrease the death rate from COVID in the United States. And that's important because about 42% of our population is thought to be deficient in vitamin D, especially in minorities. Most natural remedies are meant to target individual symptoms, such as nasal congestion or fever. There are, however, a number of alternative remedies that are reported to help stimulate the entire immune system. You might consider these in an essential oil form for direct inhalation. Uh, uh, things like geranium oil, clove bud oil, tea tree oil, lavender, these are pretty useful. And to use them, you would place two to three drops on the palm of your hand. You warm the oil maybe first by rubbing your hands together and then put your hands to your nose and mouth. You breathe three to five times slowly and deeply. You relax and breathe normally for a couple of minutes and repeat the process. You wipe any excess oil onto your neck and chest. Many herbs may also be helpful when ingested as a tea. Popular ones for general respiratory immune support are elderberry, echinacea, licorice root, golden seal, chamomile, peppermint, and ginseng. Additionally, antibacterial action has been found in garlic and onion oil, fresh cinnamon, and powdered cayenne pepper. Other options include raw and processed honey, but make sure not it's not for children that are less than two years of age. That's something that's very important. Uh, lemon and apple cider vinegar, which are often added to one of the above teas that I just mentioned. Now, other than general treatments, there are several good remedies to treat specific symptoms associated with colds and flus. To treat fever, well, you want to consider making teas from the following herbs, echinacea, licorice, yarrow, fennel, catnip, or lemon balm. The underbark of willow, poplar, and aspen trees are known to be a good source of something called salicin, the essential ingredient in aspirin. You strip off the outer bark, then take several strips of the, of the green underbark and make a tea out of it. It should work as aspirin does to decrease fever. Now this is something, again, in adults only, you don't want to give it to young kids because of a special kind of disease called Ray's disease that very young people who take aspirin may get. Other strategies to combat fever include sponge baths with water or vinegar. And in the same vein, many have used herbal aerosol spritzers, several drops of chamomile maybe, lavender or thyme essential oil with water, or maybe a mixture of the three. And so you could spray that on the chest, back, arms, and legs. Uh, avoid spraying the face, though. The cooling effect alone will be beneficial in those with fevers. Now, to deal with the congestion that naturally goes along with most respiratory infections, you consider using direct inhalation therapy that I just mentioned, or chest salves with essential oils like eucalyptus, rosemary, anise, peppermint, tea tree, pine, thyme, things like that. Another inhalation method of delivering the above herbs uh, on or even certain conventional medications, honestly, involves the use of steam. Steam inhalation is beneficial for many respiratory ailments, and it's easy to implement. Just place a few drops of the essential oil into steaming water and lower your face to inhale the vapors. 
you want to cover the back of your head maybe with a towel so you can concentrate the steam get the most effect herbal teas that relieve congestion include stinging nettle licorice root peppermint anise cayenne pepper sage and dandelion you want to mix that with honey drink three to four times a day as needed fresh horseradish has also been used to open airwaves by taking a teaspoon or actually not a teaspoon but a quarter of a teaspoon orally about three times a day most of you know that you can use plain sterile saline solution via either a nasal spray or in a neti pot uh, and that's used by both conventional and alternative healers to get the same effect against nasal congestion you want to be aware that failure to assure sterility of the solution if you're going to be putting it up your nose or, or using a neti pot well that may cause serious infections it has to be sterile solution now for aches and pains due to colds we try using salves which contain a blend of essential oils these are some oils to choose from st john's wort eucalyptus camphor lavender peppermint rosemary arnica all of these are very useful for the aches and pains that people get due to colds helpful teas to relieve muscle ache include chamomile valerian root willow underbark ginger feverfew and rosemary you want to drink a warm tea made with a teaspoon of dried herb in one cup of water add some raw honey not for children under one or two years of age by the way and sip three to four times a day for the occasional sore throat time-honored remedies include honey and garlic syrups and ginger tilden flower or sage teas you want to drink those warm with honey and maybe lemon several times a day now gargling with warm salt water will also bring some relief from sore throat and other symptoms related to respiratory illnesses you want to consider licorice root and honey lozenges these are also popular to decrease painful swallowing now there was a study in Israel that evaluated a substance found in black elderberries branded as Sambucol. This study found that those who were given it had substantially shorter periods of flu symptoms than those that were given placebos. Elderberries thought to be a strong antioxidant and helps strengthen the immune system as well. It's important to remember that the individual response to a particular herbal product differs from person to person. You want to stop using a remedy immediately if you notice any real negative effects. Also, the quality of an essential oil may differ dependent on various factors, including rainfall in the place it was grown, soil conditions where it was grown, the time of year it was harvested, the part of the plant used, and many other factors. Today, I'm going to talk about peppermint and the source of some of my favorite education on essential oils and herbal medicine is from a book by Natural Health, actually it's DK, two letters, and then natural health, and it's called Encyclopedia of Herbal Medicine, the definitive reference to 250 herbs and remedies for common ailments. And I think there's probably a more updated version of this, because I'm sure I've had this book for, gosh, at least 10 years. But, I mean, how much can herbal medicine change? That's the whole point of it. It's herbal medicine. It's been around for literally thousands and thousands thousands of years we actually have no idea how long herbal medicine has been used by any animal that's ever existed i mean who knows maybe the dinosaurs chewed peppermint leaves to ease their gassy bellies <laughs> i mean you know maybe they did um but peppermint's origin is actually a mystery they don't really know how long it's been around they do know that it is, however, a hybrid of water mint and spearmint, which have similar but milder therapeutic properties. 
Um, they know it's been in existence for a long time. They have found dried leaves in Egyptian pyramids dating from before 1000 BC. But like I said, we really have no idea how long herbs have been used by any kind of living thing, creature on this planet to alleviate various illnesses and issues that they have. We've all been around together for a long time. It's, uh, it was highly valued by the Greeks and the Romans, but it's only recently became popular in Western Europe in the 18th century, the 1700s. However, we do know peppermint's chief therapeutic value lies in its ability to relieve gas, which we just talked about, flatulence, bloating, and colic, although it may have other applications. It's typically grown commercially and in gardens throughout Europe, Asia, and North America. It's propagated from seed in the spring and is harvested just before, its flower, before it flowers in the summer in dry, sunny weather. It has a lot of constituents. One of the main ones is menthol. It relieves muscle spasms, increases sweating, stimulates the secretion of bile. It's an antiseptic also, which is an interesting uh, skin use. Research has shown that the um, oil, mostly the menthol, in peppermint is strongly antibacterial. It's antiseptic, antifungal, it's cooling, and it's an anesthetic to the skin, although it's also known to be an irritant. So, you know, we'll talk about how to use it in a few minutes, but it's important that it not be used in its essential oil as 100% for sure. Uh, that's going to irritate the skin. You can also use the whole herb. The whole plant has antispasmodic effects on the digestive system, kind of just like calming everything down. And clinical trials in Denmark and Britain during the 1990s have confirmed its value in the treatment of IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Traditional and current uses are, like we said, digestive. Uh, peppermint is excellent for the digestive system. It increases the flow of digestive juices and bile while relaxing the muscles of the gut. It reduces colic, cramps, and gas. And anyone who's experienced those will know, quite painful. So again, we're going to talk about how to use it, but you know, I would think a peppermint tea might not be a bad idea there. Uh, it soothes the lining and the muscles of the colon, and it helps with diarrhea and relieves a spastic colon, which is often the cause of constipation. When you're using it for pain relief applied to the skin, it reduces sensitivity to the pain. It also helps relieve headaches and migraines, um, infection. We talked about it having um, antiseptic and antibacterial properties. Um, but again, you're not going to use this full strength. You're going to be diluting things, watering them down, maybe mixing them with an oil or um, some kind of like coconut oil. Another thing is um, avocado oil. You can use olive oil. There's a lot of different things that you can mix it with, but you really don't ever want to use these, this particular oil in its um, full strength. So the parts you use, let's say you grow the plant. The aerial parts, you know, the leaves and the top parts um, are usually distilled and are made in a variety of preparations like essential oils, lotions, uh, infusions, which is like a tea. The leaves have high levels 
of the oil and which we were talking about is mostly menthol uh, which again are important for uh, digestive issues you can also use dried aerial parts so you can dry them and chop them up and save them like that if you want to extend their their life don't give peppermint to children under five don't take the essential oil internally unless you're under professional supervision, someone who really knows what they're doing. Again, these are very strong. Everything that's an essential oil is a super concentrated. A drop has who knows how much plant material used to get it. I mean, way more than you would ingest. So it's important not to, you know, just willy-nilly stick essential oils in your mouth, especially not this peppermint. The essential oil should never be prescribed for children under 12. Okay, um, if you're going to use it as an essential oil, you want to dilute it down to 2%. So 98% of what is in that drop or spoon that you're using is something else. So it's diluted down to 2%. That is highly diluted. That's how strong this is. If you're going to put it on for headaches, I recommend, again, the dilution, 2% strength and just one or two drops rub them into the temples don't get it in your eyes it will burn like heck rub it on the temples and then take ice packs and put that over your forehead also covering both temples and put also an ice pack with a little bit of the peppermint oil rubbed on your the back of your neck the nape of your neck put an ice pack there um, it's been incredible for some terrible migraines that I've had if you guys hear a dog panting or snorting, it's that's Phil. Phil's in here. Phil doesn't bark. Patty barks. Phil makes breathing noises. <laughs> so I have two two of my grandchildren. No, none of my kids are in the house right now, but I have my, my four-legged grandchildren, and they're so cute. Anyway, to make the infusion, um, use some of the parts... A um, couple tablespoons, maybe even a half a cup of fresh, a couple tablespoons if you're going to use the dry because it's again, it's more concentrated. And you know, let it steep for five or ten minutes, and then you can drink that always with raw honey. Fantastic. Maybe a couple drops of lemon would be delicious for your stomach. Calm yourself if you have a little nausea. It's not not a bad thing to do. Um, if you're going to use a lotion, in other words, you're going to apply this to irritated skin, um, rashes, um, itchy areas, definitely, again, dilute it. You want to have this mostly the water or the witch hazel or whatever it is that you're misting with. Very, very mild. Okay, you don't want these things uh, strong. So anyway, that's a little bit about peppermint. I'm sure all of you have had experience with peppermint. And um, be healthy out there, and Happy New Year, guys. Talk to you soon. Well, that's all the time that we have for today. You've been listening to the Survival Medicine Podcast. For Amy Alton, I'm Joe Alton, that old Dr. Bones, wishing you the best of health and good times or bad. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Check out our website at www.doomandbloom.net for hundreds of informative articles about survival medicine, gardening, natural remedies, medical supplies, and lots of other good stuff. 
contact us, send your email to drbonespodcast at aol.com or use the contact form on the main page of the website. See you next week. Are you worried about how dangerous the world has become? In these days of terrorist attacks, natural disasters, or even a future collapse, you need to be medically prepared to keep your family safe. I'm Amy Alton, ARNP of store.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find an entire line of uniquely designed medical kits and supplies for when help is not on the way. For everything from individual first aid kits to the ultimate family bag, go to store.doomandbloom.net today. You'll be glad you did.